What's up, Whisper Nation? It's another live show from the Fantasy Whispers. I'm Johnny Game Time Hicks, and although we don't have Big Travi today, don't worry because we got Ryan Weiss from the Club Fantasy FF uh, FFL to discuss our favorite bus for 2021, even though it's a little bit early. And we're going to be diving into a couple other big name questions that you're not going to want to miss right here on the Fantasy Whispers. Right here. What's up? If you are hearing my voice and seeing my beautiful mug along with Ryan, if you could do us a huge favor and hit that like button and hit that subscribe and share to whatever platform you are on, it really helps with the algorithm and helps us grow our channel. Algorithms are like Roger Goodell of social media. Uh, They're unfair. They show uh, zero act to, uh, to, to act quickly and it doesn't make the, he doesn't make the right decisions all the time, but (laughs) In the end, he does have all the power. So help us fight back and please share this video. It would do us a huge favor. And if you're new to the Fantasy Whispers, welcome. And uh, you can catch us streaming on YouTube, Facebook, or Periscope Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and releasing content daily. So just search the Fantasy Whispers on whatever platform you're on and you can find our stuff. All right, what's up? Now that all that stuff's all out of the way, Ryan, welcome in. How are you doing, my friend? Thank you for having me, Johnny. I'm doing great. Uh, big announcement today. I uh, with the Football Guys website now. Uh, Joe Bryant's built a great team over there. I'm happy to uh, to kind of be over there. It was a uh, bittersweet leaving the fantasy footballers, but I feel like uh, I'm moving on to a new team that I'm I'm pretty proud to be a part of. So I'm I'm happy. Congratulations! So proud of you. Uh, you do amazing work. You're going to continue to do amazing work. I know that for fact. So glad to have you on the show. Uh, and. Sorry, I had to. I'm, I'm kind of like botching the intro part uh, in the driver I make, position here. I make people nervous. It's the mustache. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, my, my cope, my, my actual pilot, Big Travi's not here today. He decided to take a vacation day. Uh, yep. And so uh, I'm now running and steering the show, and I'm not used to that. So uh, bear with us. But I want to say, Ryan. I know you love fantasy football because uh, we talk about it all the time. We, we DM and things like that. You're on our show all the time. Mock Draft Monday, baby. <laughs> Mock Draft Monday. There you go. Uh, but I got to ask you, the NFL draft is coming up. What are your favorite things to do during the NFL draft? Are, do you love watching the NFL draft or is it something that you kind of just look at afterwards and see the pieces? So – for draft day specifically, I almost take off my fantasy analyst hat because I just want to focus on the draft itself and kind of have fun. But after the draft is when I jump all the way into my projections because landing spots are just so important to me for what these rookies are going to do or not going to do. That's when I really like take a step up and I'm really big into the draft at that point. Um, But for the draft itself until two years ago, it was a big ritual of mine to get together with my best childhood friend. We made our own mock drafts. We had a scorekeeping thing. Um, We don't do that so much anymore, especially because of COVID. However, um, and I don't mean to step on your toes because I looked ahead on the show sheet, but Club Fantasy also live streams the draft. And so I'll be on there uh, talking with a bunch of people, just kind of breaking down the fantasy stuff as soon as it happens. But for me, it's fantasy wise, it's more important after the draft. But for the draft itself, it's just kind of like 
Christmas Day. It's just seeing these new toys get unwrapped. Yeah, I absolutely love the NFL draft. It's one of my favorite days of the year. In fact, uh, I remember I, my buddies at work when uh, I worked at uh, in the restaurant industry, they used to laugh at me because I won't would take that day off and it was like uh, it was like christmas for me and they're like yep. what's the big deal they're just rookies going and i i geek out even if it's players not going to my team i just like seeing where they go um but like you said sorry to cut you off there but like you said we are going live uh april 29th at 8 p.m uh eastern time 5 p.m pacific for that draft it sounds like uh club fantasy ffl is also going live so check out their stream maybe we'll do some kind we'll jump across and we'll and figure do some stuff out stuff. yeah that'll, that'll be <laughs> awesome uh but speaking of that that kind of segues me to uh my first question here um there are a lot of there's a lot of no, uh, news and noise and and information that just gets tossed around especially before the draft on Oh, the stat is such a big stat. You know, oh, his hand was, you know, less than 10 inches wide. What does this mean? And uh, oh, he only ran a, a 4.45 instead of a 4.43 like he was supposed to. That all leads me to this. There are a ton of fantasy stat category or just categories for fantasy yeah. football. What categories do you think are the most misleading categories? And what are some categories that maybe you would advise, you know, other fantasy players to be like, hey, you don't necessarily need to look at that. It's not an indicator of anything specific. Yeah, I, I, I put down a couple of things for that and I didn't really go the draft route. But when you bring it up, it brings up one interesting thing to me. 40 time after John Ross, I don't understand why we talk about 40 time anymore because he did it better than anyone. And he certainly didn't do it better in the NFL than anyone. And I understand injuries have played a part of that, but I, I just don't understand why that's a thing we focus so hard on anymore. Like, let's just see what they look like on the field. They don't have to be the fastest guy if they can, if they're shifty and can get through holes, but that that's a really good one. Um, the first one I brought up and, and my co-host Joe Zolo would, uh, would echo this with me would be completion percentage. Um, I feel like today's efficient NFL, I, I don't know how important completion percentage is, Mm-hmm. especially it, it doesn't really take into account in unfairly ways the dink and dunk quarterbacks. Uh, one thing I found interesting, uh, Philip Rivers, Jared Goff, and Drew Brees, who was not great last season, were all at almost 70% completion percentage, but they weren't in the top 15 in fantasy. So it, it doesn't mean a lot. It, it just doesn't. Um, yards per carry is another one that I'm not super mm-hmm. high on because it, it penalizes goal line backs. When I only need one yard for a touchdown – why does that hurt my yards per carry? And one touchdown is worth 60 rushing yards. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a huge, huge point. I always get so frustrated when people bring that up because like the whole, like the biggest case in point would be Melvin Gordon, all those years. And for the chargers, uh, he got so many goal line carries and it's like, do I knock a, a team or a guy who has one yard to go and it's clear and obvious, you know, on first down pretty most of the time that they're going to run it. And so it's like not a surprise when that team gets stopped and then they run it again and he gets in for one yard. It's like I, I that's yeah, the yards per carry is a huge one for me. 
And, and a good example of that one, and not a great example because of his fall off at the end of the season, but was early season Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley, mm-hmm. I think, was 3.7 yards per carry last year um, and scored, I think, nine touchdowns in the first 10 games or something like that to where it was just ridiculous what he did. And he was a great fantasy asset, and I was screaming from the mountaintops to trade him as we were getting closer to that Week 10 trade deadline because there was no way he was going to continue it. And, and that's one of those moments where you hate to be right, but – you, you like to be right. Yeah. Um, one other <laughs> quick one I'll throw out at you, and this is sort of like changing in the fantasy industry. Um, year end rankings are such a weird thing to look at anymore in fantasy football, because I think we're all coming to the realization that we have to win every week. And mm-hmm. it's a lot more pay t- to pay attention to the consistency and how often a guy finishes in the top 12 or the top 24 versus that one 40 point game that shot him up the rankings. Year end rankings mattered. And most of your audience and any audience is too young to remember rotisserie leagues where you actually weren't mm-hmm. playing someone head to head it was just about the final points every yeah. week year in rankings mattered when that was a style and that was a style i mean i started playing fantasy 20 years ago that was a style in the early 2000s where yahoo defaulted to rotisserie and you had to choose to go to head to head and my oh, whole wow. life i've played head to head so it was really weird to me that this was even a thing i, I never enjoyed <laughs> yeah. it but like that's it's a bygone era where it's great to say, you know, blah, blah, blah was the QB three. But if he did it in six games and he was only a QB one for those six games, he didn't help you at all. And that's just something we really have to consider more of is how often a guy, and it's going to come up with one of our uh, positions later in the show, but how often a guy was actually a one at his position. And it's just, it, it's misleading. So I, I absolutely love that point. And it, I, read the Matthew Berry book, you know, and he talked about the rotisserie uh, league. And I actually, I had no idea that's like actually how it started out or anything Mm -hmm. like that. And uh, I've always played head to head and I thought it was a little unusual and interesting. Um, But certainly, yeah, the game is certainly evolving and, and you got to, take advantage of that, stay ahead of that. So uh, I love those points. I thought they were uh, very, very informative, but at the same time, it's something that Whisper Nation can take home easily and say, okay, I'm going to overlook and and do those things. Yeah, it's actionable. (laughs) Exactly. Love it. Uh, Something else that's actionable is uh, if you could give this video a like or a share as well as subscribe. We would greatly appreciate it. Uh, Ryan, do you want to let them know everywhere that they can find you? Uh, Give them your information because they need to follow you. I appreciate that. On Twitter, it's right below me. The Fantasy Five. Mm -hmm. Five is spelled out. Um, To be honest, there's no place to directly find my work at this point. Um, I recently left writing with the Fantasy Footballers. Uh, My author page still exists over there, and I'm just getting started with Football Guys, so I don't have an author page yet. Um, But I put out a ton of data over Twitter, and I pride myself in answering every question that's thrown at me. I'm lucky enough to be a stay-at-home dad, so while I'm not full-time fantasy, I'm full-time fantasy. And so if you have a question about fantasy football, hit me up on the Twitter at the fantasy five. I'll take care of you. So, Oh, he definitely does. I've, uh, I've, <laughs> I've hit him up a couple of times, you know, asking for a friend, of course. Of course. Uh, but yeah, uh, Ryan's an, an excellent uh, person to follow and DM. So links are all in the bio. Make sure you hit him up. All right. What we've all been waiting for the moment of truth. You want, you whisper nation wants it. The world wants it. They want to know those guys that you need to stay away from in 2021. It's always fun to get the sleepers, you know, and the, and the guys that are going to ooh and ah people when you draft them. But 
the truth is, is that you want to stay away from the true landmines in the draft. And we're going to help teach you who those landmines are so you don't step on them. Now, a couple of them are a little controversial. I'll warn you now. So it might get a little bit heated here between Ryan and I, uh, but it's all in fun and games because uh, you'll get to see both sides of the coin, which is great. And as always, let us know who some of your guys' busts are in the comment below. And uh, maybe they might be in our list. Maybe we'll give you our two cents on them. Let us know. All right. The first person, uh, I will kick it over to you, Ryan, uh, because we have talked about this guy in mock drafts several times. And I think he's going to be a guy. He's kind of in a limbo land right now as far as draft capital. And uh, I definitely think there are two sides of this coin. And so it's which glass is half full or half empty. So explain why you think... The glass is half empty on James Robinson. And it's funny. I'm 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 going to end up getting this reputation as a James Robinson hater, and I'm not. I, I saw what he did last year, and I was very impressed, and I can recognize that he's a good running back. But there were just a lot of things he did that, putting it bluntly, aren't repeatable. There's only one Derrick Henry in this world, and it's not James Robinson. So, um Right now he's going off the board, and I was a little shocked to see this. And in ADP this early is always hard to judge, but I feel like this is pretty fair. He's going off the board at the 202 is the RB11, and he's going ahead of guys like DeAndre Swift, Antonio Gibson, Miles Sanders, Cam Akers, Joe Mixon, J.K. Dobbins, who might come up later. It's just shocking to me how many guys are going behind him. There's it's an impossibility that he sees 85% of the carries again. It's just something that's not going to happen. He had 240 while the rest of the team had like 40. It's a ridiculous number. It's also very unlikely he sees 290, 290 touches again. Um, They added Carlos Hyde and I understand nobody loves Carlos Hyde, but at the very least he could be a great goal line vulture. I think it's, I, I looked up the statistic. He's never scored fewer than four touchdowns in a season. Okay. So that's going to rob touchdowns that are already going to be hard to come by because we can't just expect a miraculous improvement from Jacksonville. Um, I think they are very likely to add one of the dynamic pass catching backs in the draft. Even if they don't, Visca Chanel is that. And I love Visca Chanel. I, I, I just really think he's going to be a guy who is going to steal plays that could have normally went to a running back because they are adding wide receiver talent, uh, Marvin Jones, DJ Chark, and they're going to find ways to use Visca differently. I think what it really comes down to is he's a 200 touchback. He's a solid back end RB two, but that's not where you're drafting him right now. He was such a value last year and people want to hold on to that nostalgia. And you're about to give that all away by drafting him this early. And I'm going to throw this out because I, I can't disagree with anything that you're saying there. And I and I actually believe you. And and like I like you, I was a, an, a James Robinson hater uh, for a long time. And then I've just slowly come upon, upon the ship uh, upon, uh, you know, joining the bandwagon. But you're absolutely correct in where his ADP and that's where we also have to decipher. Uh, maybe I should have said this in the top of the show is that. Where we're saying that the guys are bust isn't doesn't mean that these guys are gonna go you know and not produce anything. That's not what we're saying by a bust. But what we're saying is where you're taking them in drafts is not going to pay off in the end. Uh, and a, a good case that you know and point that I think of immediately of how I think James Robinson could play out this year is a guy like like Kenyon Drake last year, where 
you drafted him because you had these memories of what he did at the back end of the season, or you had this ma- miraculous season. You he jumps up to the second round, and whether or not he belongs in that upper echelon of running backs is, uh, you know, that's a little bit debatable. However, the problem is just like with Kenyon Drake. If he doesn't produce to that, your expectations of what he did last year, which I agree, I don't think he'll get quite there, then you are bound to fail. And even if he ends up as where he should be, which I agree, he should be going right after those Cam Maker, the Cam Akers, uh, you know, uh, DeAndre Swift kind of picks right there. Yeah. I think if he falls right there, you're happy because he is a solid RB2 and you're not having to pay up so much. But like you said, I think that even if he produces where he should, which is right here, people are still going to be disappointed because they're going to be like, oh, I thought I was getting a steal of James Robinson, who is an RB1, you know, top five running back in 2019 yeah. or 2020, and he's not that here. I'm disappointed. And you you hit the nail on the head. Um, one of my least favorite questions that gets asked in fantasy, and I think you and I actually talked about this on the very first mock draft show I did with you, is, is tell me some guys you won't take. There's no such thing as a player I won't take. There's a player at a position I won't take. So James Robinson at 202 will never be on one of my roster. James Robinson falls to mid third round, late third round, early fourth round. I'm happy to take him at that point because I get to use him as my RB3. There's a little bit of leeway there. I don't have to have these RB1 expectations for him. Uh, Last year for me and – he had an on and off season. I'm not going to claim a victory, but you happen to have his jersey in the background. DJ Moore. I knew mm-hmm. I like DJ Moore, but I got no, this reputation. Talk nasty about DJ. No, and I don't. Let me be clear. I got this reputation as a DJ Moore hater, but it was just I thought his ADP was inflated, and it, so it's mm-hmm. not that I didn't want DJ Moore on my teams. I recognized that he was a good wide receiver, and I didn't predict the Robbie Anderson blow up or anything like that. It's just I felt he was being overdrafted, so I ended up not having him. And then when people are like, "Well, who are players you're not going to end up with?" I'm like, "Well, DJ Moore." And then all of a sudden, it's like, "Oh, you hate DJ Moore." And it's like, "No, I recognize he's an awesome football player. He's just being overdrafted right now." And and this year it's going to be the exact opposite because people are going to feel so jaded by him. He's going Mm -hmm. to end up a fifth or a sixth round value where last year he was going in the third and the fourth and it was just too high. And I think that that segues me perfectly into the guy that I'm talking about because the running back I want to bring up is just like you said, he's talented. I'm not denying that. Is he in a good system? He's in an excellent system. He's one of the most touted running backs that we've seen in the last coming a couple of years coming out of college. I have nothing against that aspect of him, but the running back that I'm talking about is the one on the, on the thumbnail here that you clicked on and that's JK Dobbins. Listen, I get it. No team ran more than the Baltimore Ravens. They had 555 uh, rushing attempts for over 3000 yards. I totally get it. But the problem with where J.K. Dobbins is going is, like you said, where he's going with uh, you know guys like DeAndre Swift, guys like uh, C.E.H., guys like uh, you know Austin Eckler, where you can clearly see that those guys are the one A of their rushing uh, attack, whereas J.K. Dobbins, he isn't yet. 
we they still re- they went out and re-signed Gus Edwards. I it was all under this under indication. Now, if if Gus Edwards was no longer there, I would say, yeah, okay, uh, thumbs up for J.K. Dobbins here. But the fact that you know uh, J.K. Dobbins is is now splitting time with Gus Edwards, and uh, you ha- can't forget Lamar Jackson. He has a monster exactly. rushing share as well that limits Dobbins' upside. And so where you're taking Dobbins, I feel is it was just like C.H. last year where. Before the he got drafted, or you know, before Williams got cut, uh, he was the one, you know, back end of the second, and I thought that was good value. Then Williams, you know, sit, sits, and then everyone's taking him at the one hundred five, which I thought would be maybe his peak value. And so you're talking about a guy like J.K. Dobbins, who we all think of. Oh, Mark Mark Andrews is gone, or sorry, not Mark Andrews, but uh, Mark Ingram is gone, and so now it's thumbs up, and that means Dobbins going to step in and take that role. Well. We're not. It's not the Mark Ingram of two years ago where he got the boatload of of carries. Mark Ingram only got twenty eight percent of the the workload last year. So you even if J.K. Dobbins got that full workload, you're still splitting time and where you're getting him. I think is still at the ceiling and max value of where he could potentially land as an RB at the end of the year. And so for me, I think people are going to be disappointed. I think he does deserve to be more in the back end of that third round discussion. You know with David Montgomery and and, you know, I, I guess you could take uh, the argument that James you were Robinson. that you were just. Yeah. James Robinson, I think, is a great, great case in point. But I just think that people are a little too hyped on J.K. Dobbins and they need to, like, slow down a little bit and really look at the landscape of what's really going on. Yeah. Full disclosure. I was one of those people. Um, still am. <laughs> but you use my kryptonite against me because I fully intended to argue with you completely here. But. Gus Edwards is my kryptonite. I love the Gus bus. I think he is a great fantasy asset. Troy King just put out a tweet today with some great stats about why you do not want to sleep on the Gus bus, Gus Edwards heading into this season. Cause he's going off the board at like the RB 49, which is ridiculous. Um, a couple of things I like about Dobbins is one of the knocks on Dobbins right now is his inconsistency. And while if you look at the raw numbers, he was inconsistent. It was a tale of two seasons uh, early on in the year. He was not great uh, over the last six games. I think he was the RB 10. Um, it's just kind of hard to discount what he did over those. And, I, and I'll agree. He is probably overdrafted, but in that system and you hit another great point because I'm a notorious hater. I guess there is one group I do hate Buffalo Bills running backs. I will not touch because of what Josh Allen does to their value. It's hard to say Lamar doesn't do the same thing to Dobbins. Um, A couple of things I do like about Dobbins that are a little shocking because when you think about Gus Edwards, you think about this big, strong guy, um, the rushing attempts are, excuse me, the red zone attempts for those guys were almost completely equal, no matter what subcategory you brought it down to inside the 20, inside the 10, inside the five, they're not afraid to use Dobbins down there. And that's really important because touchdowns are going to kind of make way for that. And I think we could see Dobbins receiving work increase a little bit too. Um, I think they're still going to be a heavy rushing team. I do think you, you hit you, Lamar Jackson is going to take a ton of those rushing attempts, but I think there's going to be plenty of work there for both of them. However, any guy in a split situation that you're talking about as a back end RB one, there's going to be risk involved there. Um, for me, it's interesting because I look at Baltimore as such a superior team. I'm willing to take that risk on Dobbins where I'm not willing to take it on James Robinson. So it, it was also, I mean, another case in point on why I believe Dobbins could, before we move on, but uh, Dobbins could move or would be more interesting in that 309. Because if you think about similar to last year, even 
Jonathan Taylor, who we, you know, debate in the first, you know, yep. where he should go in the first round. Last year was pretty much in the same boat, right? Marlon 100%. Mack was there. Yep. And and then and that's not to say that just like Jonathan Taylor is if something were to happen to Gus Bus, then absolutely you could yeah. see all of a sudden that ceiling is unlocked and that is what you were drafting. But again, last year you were having to gamble a lot less than you would be. And gambling a second rounder to me is, is very risky. Um, you could do it, but you have to be able to know that in the later rounds, you have to mitigate that risk a little bit and, and adjust uh, your draft strategy. It's actually a great point bringing up Jonathan Taylor because uh, third round, his ADP last year was third, fourth round. Mm-hmm. But in industry drafts where I wasn't in a draft with John Helmkamp, I was getting him. I was taking him in the third round to make sure I landed him. Mm-hmm. And I caught a lot of crap for it. Like people are like, you're reaching, you're reaching, you're reaching. But I had this feeling and I wanted him. Uh, and a lot of it was based on the playoff schedule and it came to fruition. So I was happy about it. But that was getting crap for Jonathan Taylor in the third round. And now I'm trying to tell people it's okay to take JK Dobbins in the second. So (laughs) I I definitely like the analogy there because it's a very similar situation that what Mac was going to do to Taylor Gus is likely to do to JK Dobbins. So speaking of uh, what one player does to another player for the longest time, Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs were the tandem in Minnesota, and it was always a question as to whether or not you should take Adam Thielen or Stefan Diggs. They were going around the same cluster always, and yeah. then it was always Adam Thielen, though, that became was the uh, you know the dominant wide receiver there. Now things, once again, last year were no different. You just change out Stefan Diggs with a guy named Justin Jefferson. However, it seems that Justin Jefferson – did take that wide receiver one role away from Adam Thielen uh, like we presume Stefan Diggs could do. The question is, because Adam Thielen has, you know, we've been expecting him to kind of fall off for a few years now, and he's continued to stay afloat basically based on his touchdowns uh, through Kirk Cousins. What do you feel Adam Thielen could return this year? Uh where do you feel like he should be actually going in drafts if you do feel he's going too high? I, and this is another one. You you hit it on the head. Touchdown regression gets everybody. It's very – the man just scored 14 touchdowns on 100 targets. I um, was shocked when I saw that stat. I had to like double – I had to go to another website because I was like, <laughs> there's no way this is right. I, it's hard to look at that team and not see Justin Jefferson as the guy. He He's superior to Thea. And it's it's hard to argue that. And what scares me is, as I mentioned, it was only 108 targets last year. Minnesota is a team that would prefer to run the football. I could see those targets potentially going down and Jefferson's potentially going up. You brought up the uh, the back and forth between he and Diggs. Well, three years ago, that was on a very pass heavy offense, and that's not quite the offense they're running anymore. I'm also a big Irv Smith guy, so I kind of need Adam Thielen to take a step back so that Irv Smith can become relevant. Um, but even outside of that, some of the things I found on Thielen that are interesting, um, before going into last year, he was averaging six touchdowns per season. If he falls back to average and loses eight touchdowns, that drops him to wide receiver 28. He's currently going off the board around wide receiver 14, I believe. Um, and then when you start digging into consistency, he started really hot, 
when Jefferson did not. And so over his last game, last nine games, he was the wide receiver 21. Over the last four games, he was the wide receiver 31. And so there's a lot of things pointing me that there's almost no chance, in my opinion, he's going to finish as a top 20 wide receiver this year. Um, my biggest concern, and I'm a big RB early and often guy. Um, it's I was talking with Dave Kluge today. It's They're calling it wide receiver zero. To me, it's just called drafting. Like yeah. I want... <laughs> I want or running backs as early as possible. Yeah. If I'm sitting there in the fourth round and I was, I go three running backs in the first three rounds, which is possible. It just depends on how things shake out. I'm not comfortable taking Adam Thielen as my wide receiver one. It, it just doesn't feel right with him in that spot. That's not a guy I want is the one on my team, especially when I just feel it's likely he's going to fall down on his non-touchdown weeks to eight or nine fantasy points. And it's just not going to play out the way you want it to play out. So yep. it, again, it's a player where if, when the value's right, I will take him. And it's it's right where I would have liked to have seen DJ Moore fall last year, fifth round, sixth round, somewhere in there where I can land him as my surefire wide receiver two. And if I'm lucky, wide receiver three, mm-hmm. I'm going to be way more comfortable having Adam Thielen on my team than if I know I am technically supposed to start him every week. He is not an every week starter in my book. Let me ask you this. Um, where do you like Justin Jefferson going? Do you think Justin Jefferson's price is right uh, in drafts or do you think he is also being a little bit overdrafted? He's usually coming off the board around like wide receiver six or so, six, seven. That's an overdraft. Um, I like Justin Jefferson a lot, but I can off the top of my head name six wide receivers I'd rather have. You know, you have Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Hopkins, Metcalf. Calvin Ridley, Michael Thomas is going to bounce back. AJ Brown is supremely underrated. There are so many players that could outplay Justin Jefferson. And again, it's because I don't know how often Minnesota is going to throw the football. They would rather Mm -hmm. run the ball. They have Dalvin Cook. They spent draft capital on Alexander Madison. They re-signed Amir Abdullah, which doesn't sound like a lot, but he's effective in the passing game. Um, They love running two tight end sets. Even after Kyle Rudolph missed some games last year, Jack Conklin stepped in and played very very well as the second tight end and was lining up in the slot. Like there's a lot of people to spread a small around of amount of work around to, mm-hmm. to where it, Jefferson almost feels to me like that guy that if I'm sitting at the turn and all of the great running backs have went around the 12th pick of the draft, I might consider going Justin Jefferson and another wide receiver and, and dipping my feet in the zero running back waters. And he's a good wide receiver to do that. I think he is likely a wide receiver one and he is going to have monster weeks, mm-hmm. but I think there's going to again be inconsistency there. So at, at wide receiver six, and it's probably going to get worse, Johnny, you and I Yo. know that I, I the drafts the around thirst this time, gets real, dude, the yeah. thirst gets real. And the drafts you're doing around this time are with people who understand fantasy football and understand, and this is going to sound awful, but understand the risks. When you start drafting with people who are just picking up leagues and and for those of you who play in home leagues, you know half your league doesn't pay attention until August. Well, their magazine is going to be telling them how big Justin Jefferson was last year. They're going to have him rated as the wide receiver four or five somewhere in there. And that's a huge overdraft, but they're not going to stray away from what that magazine that they paid eight whole dollars for told them to do. (laughs) Right, exactly. You can't do that, dude. No, you got to. It's like the Bible, dude. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And it's funny, and I don't mean to ever disparage a casual player or anything like that. I was a magazine guy my whole life, but I always encourage 
get the magazine, use the info. It's good info. I know a lot of the people who write the info. The rankings take with a grain of salt because you don't know even how they formulated their rankings. Was it based on projections? Was it based on a consensus where one guy might have had Jefferson as the wide receiver four and while everyone else had him as a 12 that drug him up and now all of a sudden you're paying for him at his ceiling instead of getting him somewhere where he's safer? It's so funny because I uh, the magazine uh, thing is, is was me. I, I my friends used to make fun of me because I would always have uh, my fantasy football magazine, and it's what you said was great. I would always look at not necessarily where their rankings were. It was what were what was what were they thinking on each yep. player, and uh, I loved. It's funny that I would look at the mock drafts that the professionals were doing to see okay how is it different than what I'm thinking. And then what was great about it is they would always have the mock draft and then explanations on the following pages of yep. why players took. And that was the key information. Why do player? Why do the professionals or quote unquote experts uh, take certain players in certain areas? And, and why do I need to learn from that or what can I take away from that? And that leads me, Ryan, to this next part uh, that I want to talk about on uh, a couple of players that I think that you should probably stay away from, especially at their ADP. And we got uh, our number one fan in here, Josh uh, <laughs> Jacob Lay called it. Josh Jacobs is mine. Well, he's also mine as well, uh, Jacob Lay. Uh, we're on the same page here, but uh, this is what I want to say about Josh Jacobs and uh, Kenyon Drake. I understand that, you know, Josh Jacobs is a great, a, a great running back. I totally get what he's done in uh, the past, but here's where we have to separate, you know, what the past and then what we have now in the future and and uh, what we're looking at. And here's the reality is Josh Jacobs uh, is coming off the board as the RB 16 and Kenyon Drake is coming off the board as the RB 29, respectively. I want to bring this up uh, just to make a point as the running backs uh, tandem. Right. And where you're what value you're kind of getting. I don't think that's a great running back situation, though Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake for the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, but a lot of people have been talking about the Chase Edmonds and uh, James Conner situation. I don't know. I, I would rather have the uh, Cardinals situation than the Raiders. And you're paying down, uh, you know, Chase is a RB 28 and James Conner is RB 37 off the board. So you're getting a much better uh, value there. The thing I want to say is uh, Josh Jacob was third in rushing attempts uh, with 273, and he finished as the RB8 in standard and PPR. Kenyon Drake last year was seventh in rushing attempts with 239, and he finished as the RB13 and, and RB16 in PPR. I know Ryan was talking about you don't really care about like the overall finishes because they don't have an impact on the next year, and that's absolutely right. But what I want to key in on was that they finished at that high and they both had to have 230 plus touches. Exactly. Well, guess what? The Raiders or the the Raiders aren't going to run uh, that many times. They're not going to run. They're both not the of Ravens. Them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Thank you. That's a that's a great point. Las Vegas, in fact, they were 11th in rushing attempts in 2020, and they were 13th in rushing attempts in 2019. So uh, you look at that; those both should come down as far as their rushing attempts. I do kind of think it's going to be. You know, a very 50-50, 60-40 kind of split with those two running backs. And then even if you're saying, okay, but the touchdowns, like because Josh Jacobs scores a lot of touchdowns. Well, the Raiders were seventh in rushing touchdowns in 2020. They were 19th in, uh, in 2019. 
And so there are, it's not like they're scoring a grip load of touchdowns uh, on the ground. So to me, and one could also argue their offensive line got a little bit worse, even though I don't know how that's even possible. Um, <laughs> but their offensive line got worse because they traded their center to the Cardinals. Uh, and so I am just saying, I think that the the price for Josh Jacobs and Kenya Drake is still too high. I think people are looking at their names, like you said. Uh, they're they're seeing what they did last year and saying, oh, these two were both good running backs. So uh, and I'm getting a discount on them. So why not grab them? And I'm saying that, sure, one of them could be effective. One could be an RB2 for sure. Um, But is it going to be consistency? Is it going to be consistent, which is how you win fantasy football games? And I don't think it will be. Oh, you hit it perfectly. Jacobs is the perfect example of the be careful about end of year rankings. Um, Mm. I was huge on Jacobs heading into last season, huge on him. And I was a manager who was disappointed with him most of the season. Um, he had he did most of what he did in five games. So he played 15 games. He scored over 55% of his fantasy points in five of those 15 games. So that means for 10 games, he was disappointing. That's not going to get better with Kenyon Drake. It's it's likely to get worse. You you brought up the volume's not going to be there, and it is a volume team. The offensive line did get worse. And overall, I don't see that the team is going to be any better. They were already 11th in rushing, and it's likely those attempts are going to go down. They're just not going to have it. Um, they don't have the big play wide receiver unless they add one in the draft. It seems like they probably missed on Henry Ruggs, and they doubled down on that. And don't get me wrong, I love John Brown, but now you just have two speedsters. Brian Edwards doesn't seem to be the the big kind of wide receiver they need. They let Nelson Aguilar walk. So they have Darren Waller, and that's about it right now. Early on in the season, you might see one of these backs look good. But as this team starts to fall into injuries and poor play, I think these are running backs whose wheels are just going to fall off at the end of the season. And I completely agree. It would not touch either of them in a redraft league and and honestly with the way they kind of i don't i think drake was on a two-year deal it might only be a one-year deal but even in yeah. dynasty they're a little bit risky right now but even mm-hmm. worse they've tanked each other's value so if you're yeah. holding either one right now you're not gonna be able to move them for anything significant so you kind of have to wait i tried to get uh because i do have Kenyon drake on my dynasty roster and i tried to trade him to the uh josh jacobs owner for even a second rounder is what yeah, I was trying like to get. And, yeah, and he, no budge. So then I went to a third and he wouldn't even do that. And so yeah. it's really, really at that point, I'm like, okay, well, I'll just gamble that maybe he does end up winning or, or there's an injury to Josh Jacobs. And, and it's funny okay, but. because this draft, um, and I don't pretend to be a dynasty expert at all, but I've really dug in for my own picks. Mm-hmm. There's about 20 guys who I really kind of want to have on my team. So a third round pick. Yeah, what I'm saying though is like with a third round pick for Kenyon Drake, I would probably actually make that deal. I don't I don't know that there's a guy there. And if one or the other gets hurt, as we've talked about quite a bit in these tandems, the other one does probably have some good value because Jacobs was splitting time last year, but he wasn't splitting time with any back as dynamic as Kenyon Drake. Mm-hmm. Um Drake, for what it was, he obviously looked very bad last year in Arizona. He he volumed his way up, but he looked bad. But we all loved him when he was in Miami. 
in short periods of time where he didn't mm-hmm. have to be the guy. We adored him when he came into Arizona for that eight-week span. There's actually a chance Kenyon Drake could go in here and possibly outperform Josh Jacobs. It's not completely out of the question. And then, and Jacobs is still, last I checked, going off the board second round. And there's yeah. just no Second and third way. round. It just... It- baffles me he's he's the definition of somebody who could bust this year i mean he's a guy who i already had no intentions of drafting long before Kenyon drake's name got brought up Kenyon drake put the stamp on that it was just done for me at that point yep um all right i want to uh dive into my next player here uh ryan because you know i've been teasing it a little bit on the show the last couple of weeks as to saying why you know i've just been saying i'm i'm off of kyle pitts this year and you know people have been asking me why are you so off kyle pitts it I doesn't make to any- come at you with the fire and pitch yeah they, they are <laughs> and then i'm i'm prepared for it and i understand the excitement of kyle pitts and you know all the talk that's going on and the envious uh you know gms and owners out there saying you know licking their chops on kyle pitts i understand listen I'm looking at it right now. He's the same height as Michael Jordan, same weight as Derrick Henry, and he ran a faster 40 time than Terrell Owens. It was only like a tenth of a second faster, but who's counting? You know, it's still faster and and, and the facts, you know, in the record books. So why am I so low on this guy, Ryan? I, you know, people are asking. It doesn't add up. Well, I'll tell you why I'm so low on him. I'm not low on him as a career tight end. I think that, you know, maybe in, in two or three, maybe in two years, more like in three years, I could expect Kyle Pitts. You know, if you, if you told me in in three years Kyle Pitts is a top three tight end, would I be be surprised? No, I wouldn't. But if you said Kyle Pitts is a top five tight end next year when he finishes, are you? Would I be surprised? Absolutely, hundred <laughs> percent. I would be surprised, and I'll tell you why. I'm going to give you a list of these guys, and you know some of our our uh, listeners might be a little bit uh, younger, so they might not know some of these players, um, but. If you do, if you don't know who they are, that's okay. I'll explain them to you, uh, and so will Ryan. Um, but you'll get the drift of what I'm where I'm going here. Uh, OJ OJ Howard, he was pick one nine, uh, first round nineteenth pick. Eric Ebron, Vernon Davis, probably the biggest uh, case in point I have. Vernon Davis, Evan Ingram, T.J. Hawkinson. A lot of people remember him. He was the second highest tight end to be drafted in this group. And then I'm going to throw Mike Jacecki in there. Why do I give you those lists of tight ends? Well, all of those tight ends were testing off the charts when it came to all of the statistical categories. They were elite in college. They had early breakout ages. They were dominant in their positions, and they could do a lot in their position. But the thing that we know, and I like to say this now, it's one of my new sayings, Ryan. Feel free to steal it. I'm going to. (laughs) History does not repeat itself. But it certainly rhymes. And I'll tell you what, all of those guys, the highest tight end will surprise you out of all those. So like I said, O.J. Howard, Eric Ebron, Vernon Davis, Evan Ingram, T.J. Hawkinson, Mike Jacecki, their rookie year, the highest finish was none other than Evan Ingram, who we all, who every person vomits when you say, hey, Evan Ingram this year could be the guy, right? That was he was the only guy that was a top five tight end. All the other ones, tight end 17 for OJ Howard, Eric Ebron, tight end 45, Vernon Davis, who was an athletic freak. If you don't remember him coming out of college, he was exactly what they were saying about Kyle Pitts. And guess where he he ended up as a tight end 21. So we 
we don't know where you know Kyle Pitts is going to land. That will yes have some uh, you know effect on where he could eventually go. But right now, his current ADP, uh, you know, from our mock drafts, uh, so, you know, some have variations of this, but he's been pretty constantly coming off the board as the tight end four or five in our mock drafts, uh, Ryan. And you know, right after Darren Waller and before you know, sometimes uh, you know before Mark Andrews or right after Mark Andrews, and that's crazy to me. Like that's way too high. I think people are going to get so burnt on him. And uh, and and it's not going to be worth it because tight ends always start off slow. Like I think I think you're better off doing something else than than going with Kyle Pitts. And and I agree completely, which is why my next bus candidate is every single tight end that is going to go between rounds four and ten. A couple of things I want to throw in for you on Pitts. Um, or I guess one thing I want to throw in for you on Pitts because it's as you brought up, rookie tight ends don't tend to perform. Pitts is going to be a great football player. The landing spots he's being linked to right now for fantasy, I'm a little worried. Atlanta still has Hayden Hurst. Cincinnati, if he ends up there, they still have T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. Um, and then the the third one I keep seeing is Dallas. And while that sounds like a match made in heaven, you're then competing with Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and um, CeeDee Lamb, last year's rookie phenom, for targets. I'll These even throw in ideal. Sorry, I, not no. to cut you out, but I'll even throw you in another one that I've seen, and that's the Arizona Cardinals being linked to uh, Kyle Pitts. And yeah. I think that even you talk about those guys, like or those teams, people are going to go nuts, like you said, like oh, they're it's gonna going go to bananas. <laughs> and it's like, but like you said, if you look at the situation and take a step back, and you're like, okay, what is he really competing for? Targets, right? Yeah. What is his what? realistic target market could he get in those teams where all of those teams that you had talked about are pretty stacked at their skill position exactly so yeah i i it baffles arizona already has two great tight ends they're named larry fitzgerald and aj green like they don't they don't need (laughs) kyle pitts and i'm not saying he wouldn't be great there for football purposes he would be great for fantasy not so much and the reason i'm just against all of these middle tight ends um in my opinion you either pay up for kelsey kittle waller you pay the iron price or you stream the position. I am a big advocate of streaming. If any of my followers are watching, they see I put it out every week. And I'm not even going to claim to be the best in the industry. But I put in my work. My tight end, stream of the week tight end, my number one guy, was a top 10 tight end last year. He was scoring the same amount of points as guys who were going in these middle rounds. But what's unique about that is he is my, – my stream of the week is available in more than 50% of leagues – Every week, you're just plugging and playing a new guy. Isn't it? Uh, isn't it funny when you when you do those you know case studies and you go back and you're like, oh wow, like you shock yourself. Exactly. I, I had the same thing happen. I was doing it uh, on t- on defenses, right? I was doing a case study on defenses, mm-hmm. and I'm looking. And I'm like. I might actually change my opinion on where I would draft a defense. Like this is looking like it could be a real advantage. Right. And then I go back and I check my own work and it averaged out to be, I was the, um, the defense five or between, between four and six were, uh, three out of the four years. I, I landed in that range and it was like, Oh, okay. Then what, you know, and I'm and I stream, I'd always stream the defense. 100%. And so it's like you, you oftentimes will look back and actually, 
be like, wow, I actually you will overshoot what you actually think you can do, uh, especially if you're listening to guys like Ryan or here on the Fantasy Whispers. We'll also let you know on guys like that. And and you could get through and get by uh, on that for sure. Well, what's great is another metric I keep. I call it best of the bunch because I give five options every week. If you're smarter than me and take the best of my five options. So sometimes my number one guy wasn't the number one guy. My best of the bunch conglomerately finished as the tight end three. So there was Kelsey Waller and my Frankenstein. And so it's out there where you can build better. So instead of wasting a pick, and I do 100% believe it's wasting a pick on these four through 10 guys. And you're going to, I got a little pushback on TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, that's Um, where my, that's my, my going to be my pushback on you. And it is. And I, you know what? I'll save that for the end then. But instead you could grab your RB three, your RB four, your wide receiver three, four and five. And I don't mean one. I mean, you can grab all of them. And if you want to play a game, you can grab a QB earlier, at least a mid-round QB. So by taking a tight end, you're passing on guys like, I'm going to throw a bunch of names out here at you, and you cannot convince me you would rather have one of these mid-round tight ends than these guys. Um, I know he just got brought up in the bust, but I like David Montgomery where he's going in drafts right now just based off of volume. Chris Carson back in Seattle where there's going to be trust. Kareem Hunt not going anywhere in Cleveland, Raheem Mostert, Melvin Gordon, Terry McLaurin, Amari Cooper, Chris Godwin, CD Lamb, Robert Woods, Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts. These are guys that you're saying, no, I don't want them on my team. I want Mike Jasicki. Like it, it, it makes I, no sense to me. I, I do agree. I do agree with the most of the names. I do think Jalen Hurts, you can get a little bit later. And so yeah, he, I, he you fell know, right at around nine ten for me. So that's kind of, and again, mocks right now are not mocks. I apologize. Mocks are great. ADP right now is a little skewed, but right yeah. now he's falling right around the 10th round. And that was kind of where I put my cutoff. So, okay. Uh, fair enough. Um, I, the only caveat that I would say to that, well, obviously my only um, person that I would, I would, cause that strategy has worked, you know, more times than it has not right. Don't draft those middle round tight ends. There's been a situation uh, in which was pretty relevant or pretty um, current. Uh, and that was the Darren Waller situation, right? Absolutely. Darren Waller last year was in that category where he was coming off as those middle tight ends. And if you grabbed him and lucky enough to grab him, he, you had a top three and you scored out. Here's why I would make the argument for TJ Hawkinson. And he is the only guy in that group, hundred percent of the other tight ends. I'm not touching because of that argument, but the difference for me, for TJ Hawkinson, as of recording this, you know, on April 16th, the difference for me is what has Detroit done to bring in any weapons because that was the big thing is now uh, you know you look at what Las Vegas had we talked about earlier right they didn't really have weapons and so their offense was forced to go through Waller which Waller is a great player and he was getting funneled targets I see the very same setup happening in Detroit this year where they don't have a lot of you know pass their pass catchers are gone they brought in uh, you know some some guys yeah and uh, (laughs) you know awesome would be he's excited about it but uh and and i do expect them to draft a a, a wide receiver but the problem is the wide receivers that are coming in here this year are more slot guys not alpha big dog wide receivers and so i don't think a situation would uh, arise in the draft and to where they would grab a player that i would be like oh i have to significantly remove targets now from tj hawkinson 
to where uh, um, I would move him. I, he's the only guy I'm confident in that, yeah. that he can make that, that jump. And the last thing I'll know uh, about it before I stop gushing on TJ is you look at what Jared Goff uh, and, and what he can do, right? He, he's not uh, the greatest quarterback, but you saw when he had one tight end, uh, which is why I'm a big fan of Tyler Higby in those later rounds uh, yeah. and grabbing him, uh, which I would prefer to do over grabbing these middle round tight ends. Exactly. Um, but uh, <laughs> you saw that, you know, Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett, when they were the only tight end playing, they actually were very, very relevant as far as starting fantasy tight ends. Um, when they played together, obviously they ate into each other's uh, workload. TJ Hawkinson, to me, his workload is looking like he's going to be that wide receiver one for them at a tight end position. And I think that's the difference for me. But again, if his if his draft cap, if everyone starts getting on that boat, you know, and it's like, oh, you know, saying I heard Johnny game time on a podcast and I think he's he sounds good. And so I'm going to start taking him, you know, in the fifth and sixth round. I think that's where you're going to get in trouble because then you're not talking about, oh, I'm passing up on, you know, the Jalen Hurts and the, you know, uh, the Terry McLaurin's. It's like, okay, now you're passing up on, you know, the David Montgomery's, the yeah. Najee Harris's, the guys like that. And I don't think you want to do that. And, and you, Hawkinson and Mark Andrews are, are my two biggest pushback I receive when I, when I pitch this theory. And to be clear, Mark Andrews is probably what has jaded me towards this theory because I was a big Mark Andrews guy. Yeah. 100% thought he was going to take over the the one spot. And this kind of goes back to what we talked about with Adam Thielen. Something I feel very big about with Robert Tunyon this year is depending on touchdowns is very scary at any position, but especially at the tight end mm-hmm. position because unfortunately – all of the tight ends, and I and I will concede Hawkinson in a moment, but most of the tight ends, they're not seeing enough targets that they're going to carry right. you any other way. Right. And a lot of people are going to tell you, well, you know, I'm still scoring the same amount of points as everyone else at the position. And that's that's true. But one of the things that really hit me, and this goes back to not looking at year-end rankings, um, I was looking mm-hmm. at a really cool tool on football guys, shameless plug, and They break down, they have a tool where you can see how many times a guy finished in the top 12 at tight end. So unsurprisingly, Travis Kelsey was the tight finished as a top 12 14 times out of the 15 games he plays. Then it jumps all the way down to Darren Waller at two at 10 total games. Logan Thomas, Robert Tunyon at eight. So we are through four tight ends, and they were only playable top 12 guys for half of the season. And that's where it's really about playing the matchups and finding that next guy. Now, Hawkinson, I am fully ready to be wrong on Hawkinson. It will not be on my football team, but I'm fully ready to be wrong because I think you're hundred percent right. I think we're going to see his ADP creep. And I think we're going to see it creep into the first four rounds. And that's because everybody is hungry to get that next tight end. It's why Kyle Pitts is going to be overdrafted. Mm -hmm. It's why TJ Hawkinson is going to be overdrafted. If I'm wrong, I'll be happy to be wrong because I want to see tight ends do better in this league. I don't think that I'll be wrong. And for me, you hit a guy perfectly with Tyler Higby. Um, a guy last year who we got really late, who ended up finishing as the top tight end three, Logan Thomas. He was not even being discussed except for people who were in the weeds. So so let me, and I know we've gone a little bit off topic here, but I think this is great uh, information. What are your thoughts on Logan Thomas? Because I do have some – now, his draft capital is still deep into where I think it's still fine. You take the dart throw – like, it, it's a dart throw on him, and I think that we've seen his ceiling. However, 
looking at knowing that we have, uh, you know, Ryan Fitzmagic coming in and knowing that they have brought in Curtis Samuel and Adam Humphreys, who uh, we can't forget. Adam Humphreys got paid because of Ryan Fitzmagic and, and that connection. And so I am a little worried that not only uh, because of the additional weapons there, but also the fact that we know through Matt Ryan or uh, sorry, uh, Ryan Fitzmagic's history, he tends to favor the wide receivers and go to the wide receivers a little bit more than the tight end. And so for me, I think it, it could catch some people that are like, oh, I think I'm going to get the Logan Thomas of last year where I think it could be a little bit more inconsistent. But again, he's not to the reason I don't have him on a bus list is because I, I still think his value is fine. I think it's, you know, it's going in the 10 plus rounds at that point, you're taking dart throws anyway. So if you really believe in, in Logan Thomas, then I, who am I to tell you differently? But uh, I just thought it is an interesting name. I would like to see what you thought. Uh, if you had a counter argument to that, if you thought about that at all. Uh, it's unlikely he'll be on my team because of the way I draft. Um, I draft knowing that I'm likely to stream the position. And so taking a guy even at the ninth, 10th round is a little weird for me at tight end. Um, mm. And the other thing is I draft guys who I think are going to be good early. And I, you've hit a lot of the reasons I don't think he'll be good early. Um, mm. Fitz, Fitzpatrick loves wide receivers. Last year, no second wide receiver on this team, I think, had more than 50 targets. Yeah. Curtis Samuel is going to see 100 targets. Adam uh, – Humphreys is likely to see 70 to 75 targets. Um, Logan Thomas was at 110 and I just don't see him repeating even maybe a hundred targets again. They're still going to have to throw the ball, but a guy who was underutilized in the passing game last year was Antonio Gibson himself, who was a great receiver in college and he's going and, and Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to recognize that right away. Mm -hmm. They still have McKissick who only catches balls (laughs) And so I just don't see a situation where Logan Thomas, you're absolutely right. If you draft him where he's going right now, which is like the 10th round is the tight end 11. Congratulations. You probably have the tight end 11 on your hands. Yeah. But that's the tight end 11 who probably had four playable weeks the entire season, whereas you could have just streamed the position and found guys who had multiple top 12 weeks. You could start 16 top 12 guys, whereas with Logan Thomas, you started four top 12 guys. So he's very likely to not be a bust. You're absolutely right. He's going to finish where he's being drafted, maybe even a spot or two ahead. But there's a huge difference between the tight end four and the tight end 10. And and that can't be discounted because every week you're just trying to score more points than your opponent. It doesn't matter that you had the tight end 10 at the end of the year. You needed to outscore those guys. It's uh, I continue to kind of make and try to push for this point a lot more in our industry. Uh, People need to start viewing fantasy football as more of a game of chess then, um, you know, it's already kind of out there because you have to look at your pieces, you know, your starting slots and you have to say, okay, what can I do in order to get the most out of each piece? And when you start doing that and doing things like Ryan, what Ryan's talking about and like trusting in, you know, the process and, and the information that we're getting. And, and relaying and and having confidence in yourself because you'll surprise yourself at the end of the year. I think Ryan's uh, convinced me that I, I think I might change my strategy. I usually am one of those guys that like I, I feel good about grabbing my breakout tight end. I've been pretty good about uh, knowing those who those guys are. Um, but now I kind of want to challenge myself and see, all right, just it's how fun. 
It is. And that's the other aspect of this game that we yes. don't talk about <laughs> is challenge yourself. It's a game. It's supposed to be fun. And if you're not having fun because you're, you know, just grabbing whatever uh, breakout guy everyone says and then he busts, then you're not going to have very fun, at, uh, very much fun at all. One really cool tool that Yahoo uses, and I, I, a lot of people I think still play on Yahoo, but you can go in and see how your team ranks by points scored by a position against the rest of your league. And so for me, quarterback, tight end, and defense are a fun thing for me because I might not have the best quarterback, I might not have the best tight end, and I might not have the best defense. But every year, especially a defense, I pride myself in being a big defense and special teams guy. Um, Every year, my defense and special teams has the most points in my league, even though I started 13 different teams the entire season because I stream it and I play the matchups. And there's something to be said in finding that extra level of competition and challenge yourself. It's real. And the most important thing, I think I say it every time I'm on your show, this game is supposed to be fun. Have fun. It's not fun just having a stagnant lineup and not playing the waivers, do something, have fun. (laughs) Exactly. I love that. All right. I'm going to get you out on this, Ryan. Uh, So Darius Rice, one of our uh, good followers, he asked, James Conner and David Montgomery are running backs I'm avoiding. Now, uh, we've touched on James Conner a little bit earlier, but uh, you did talk about David Montgomery, and this is going to be another very big hot topic you know, yeah. this summer because and it's da- David Montgomery is going to be that player that everyone is talking about. You're going to have two sides. You're going to have the people that think he's overrated right now, <laughs> and then you're going to have the side where he's, no, he's you know going where he should be, and he still has that ceiling uh, that we saw at the end of last year. Give your two cents on what you think, David. You said you thought he was going around the right uh, place in the draft. Explain explain yourself. Absolutely. And what's crazy is I, I like to use the old cliche. There's actually three sides to every story. What they said, what you said, and the truth. And so with David Montgomery, you kind of said this about Josh Jacobs. If you draft David Montgomery expecting to get 2020 David Montgomery, you are going to be sad and disappointed. The schedule fell perfectly into his lap. The depth chart fell perfectly into his lap. You essentially had a team that had given up and didn't care how bad they were. They were still just going to run the football. You cannot discount the return of Tariq Cohen because it's going to cut into the passing game work. You can't discount the addition of Damian Williams, who is this guy that we wanted to love every year in Kansas City because he's going to cut into the rushing work. It's unlikely, much like James Robinson, that Montgomery is going to be able to repeat the workload he saw. But right now, and again, I've said this a hundred times, ADP right now is a little sketch, but right now David Montgomery is going off the board as the RB 20. And this is a guy who has top 10 upside. Mm-hmm. If I can get a guy as my RB two, whose floor is back end RB two, high end RB three, but whose ceiling is top five. That's what I'm looking for. He's still a good wide receiver. He's still a great runner inside of the five yard line. He's likely to find touchdowns. If Andy Dalton can put them in a position to find touchdowns. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of questions about Chicago. If they were to go out and possibly land one of these wide receivers, I would actually feel better about Montgomery. Even if they did add a wide receiver, because one really underrated aspect, I love Allen Robinson and don't get me wrong, but one really underrated aspect of a team with great wide receivers is you see a lot more pass interference inside the five yard line, which sets these running backs up to steal touchdowns from the wide receivers. And so Mm -hmm. I would like it if they would go out and add something like that. So if he stays going in the fourth, fifth round as the RB 20, 
give me all of the David Montgomery. It, it, it plays right into my draft strategy at that point. If he starts to creep up because of what he did last year, Darius is absolutely right. It's someone you're you're trying to avoid. Yeah, and I, I think that you, you hit it there because it, at that area – where you're getting him, he's more more or less your RB two, and yep. so I think that that ceiling is is very uh, or that flo- his floor I think would be an RB two. Even if you you know you touched on the Williams coming in, you touched on uh, you know Cohen coming back, which I totally agree. But you we also have to keep in mind right that. Um, did he have an excellent and easy schedule down down the stretch? Absolutely, but we also yes. have to remember that. He was injured three weeks before the uh, season. He had a pulled groin, and it was we don't know exactly how bad it is, but people were speculating it was it was pretty bad. Yeah. And so, um, you're when you when you look at that aspect, and you could say, okay, maybe you know it took him a little bit longer to get up to 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 par because he was uh, yeah. you know dealing with that. And then the other thing that I think is an underrated. Um, uh, an underrated topic that you don't see in the stat line and you have to watch f- the football tape in order to understand it. And you, you know, listen to guys that, you know, know a lot more about football than I do as far as the X's and O's go. And what they were, you know, what I read last year and it showed in, you know, throughout playing last year coming into the season and you can go back and check the tape. I'm pretty proud of this. Uh, they were talking about how the Chicago Bears, their offensive line, that the the plays that they wanted to run, they weren't able to because the tight end a lot of the time has to swing from the right side of the line to the left side of the line and block off and and create that. And they didn't have the tight ends to do it. Eight hundred year old Jimmy Graham was exactly yes, and that was the issue. And and not only that, but Jimmy Graham, I don't know if anyone's been paying attention, but he's not the greatest blocker. That was his whole thing. Was like, hey, we'll put him outside because he's a great receiver, but he's not the greatest blocker. And so they get Cole Clement in there, and Cole Clement was actually doing a really good job, and he started to take, and that's why they're going with him. And exactly because uh, he, no, you're great. It's uh, a a very good point that is not really talked about because you know we do end up looking at the X's and O's a lot of the time, but there's some things that the game tape will reveal, and that was a big thing. They fixed that issue. I expect to get even better with Cole Clement talking about a tight end going in the third season, and that knowledge. And that jump, I think that he that could definitely help. So he could yeah. be sure his carries might come down, but I do think that he'll be a little bit more efficient in them. Uh, and you know, one other thing I'll add uh, to this argument would be that he only, you know, he did score ten touchdowns last year, but he only saw seven goal line carries. And like you said, Ryan. Allen Robinson, you get these guys who, you know, maybe they pull pass interferences early or, you know, near the goal line. I definitely see that number going up, um, you know, with Andy Dalton being able to sling it around a little bit more and effectively. And so, yeah, I think that where he's going is about right. I don't think he should creep up anymore. I don't think you should be, you know, trying to reach for him any higher than that. I think it's 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 fine. Completely agree. And as, as we've said a hundred times on the show, it all, they're only a bust if you overdraft them. So. <laughs> Darius Rice saying he, he feels about David Monty, how you feel about Hawkinson. So that's fair. I, I'm, maybe I'm not well, against it. So yeah. So maybe, and, and you kind of came around a little bit on the boat. I, so maybe, I, I, I'm, I can see Hawkinson performing just like I can see Monty performing. So, yep. all right. Well, that does it for our show today. Appreciate everyone for joining in and hanging, uh, hanging around, hanging around, as I like to say, um, 
just want to remind everybody that we will be going live uh, at the end of this month for the first round of the NFL draft. I know that Ryan uh, is doing so as well, but I will pass the mic to him so he can give you all his information one more time. So you know where to follow him, where you could get his uh, his his stuff, because he, he really has a lot of good insight, uh, as you could tell from the show. So, Ryan, you want to let the people know one more time where they can get you, where they can find you? Appreciate that. Uh, so everything I do, you're going to find at some point on my Twitter at the fantasy five, five is spelled out right below me here. Wrong side. Um, but anyway, um, right now putting in a lot of work for club fantasy. So please follow club fantasy. We do a show every Wednesday, uh, just jumped on with the football guys. Uh, so I should hopefully have an article coming out soon. I had a great idea for an article and I told him I wanted to hit the ground running. Um, it's basically going to be, if, if, if this all goes well, a fantasy manager's guide to the NFL draft. So essentially, um, we all look at the NFL draft as, as sports fans, but a lot of time for redraft players, just because it's the shiny new toy, it might not be the best player to draft. And that's kind of the the angle I'm going with on that article. So, um, but you'll find it on my Twitter. You'll find it at F- football guys and you'll find it at club fantasy. And we will retweet it out. Uh, certainly Appreciate when, it. when he puts that out, because uh, I'm, I'm excited. You got me like wanting to read it like right now, dude. Uh, can't, <laughs> can't wait for it to come out. Uh, looking forward to it. All right. Uh, That does it for Whisper Nation, for Ryan. Uh, We're the Fantasy Whispers. We'll catch you. That's Club Fantasy FFL. Link in the bio. Take it easy. I just I botched this end of this. That's okay. It's okay. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. (laughs) Big Travi doesn't watch the credits, so we're okay. (laughs) All right. Peace out, guys. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whispers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whispers.